You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We're in the middle, like dead center, of a sermon series called Ship Shape. You just saw the intro to it. Uh, if you have any questions or comments throughout the series or throughout this sermon today, feel free to message. There's the phone number, Wi-Fi password right there. I'm getting some right now. Um, the phone number will be on the bottom of the screen as uh, almost every slide. So if you don't have it, it's also in your bulletin. But like I said, we're in a sermon series called Ship Shape. Seven weeks, we're in dead center. This is week four. Uh, we are talking about the ships of our life that we need to focus on, that we need to make sure are shored up so that we can have a life that stays afloat in the midst of the hardships and difficulties of life. So we're talking about discipleship and hardship, worship, leadership, relationships, stewardship, and workmanship. Last week we talked about work, a theology of work. We've talked about hardship. We've talked about discipleship. And really it kind of comes from this idea from Eugene Peterson that all the water in the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. So we're just taking some intentional time to think about things in our life that maybe we don't normally think about, to make sure they're airtight, watertight, and ready to help us navigate this, this thing called life. Today, we're talking about leadership. Leadership. Uh, we're talking about it because it's a major reality uh, as part of any organized part of life. You unfortunately, have to deal with it everywhere you go. And if you're lucky enough, they'll vote you into it, right? You'll become the default leader if you show up to enough things. And the bad news about leadership, I think, at least as I'm reflecting on it this week, is that most of us aren't fond of leaders or the idea of leadership. We don't really like the leaders we have, and we don't really want to become leaders in the areas of life that we want to participate in. And so there's a, there's a frustrating part. Leaders, it seems like, seems to be this necessary part of life and part of any functioning society or organized group, but we don't really like leaders and we don't want to do leadership. Americans are losing trust in traditional leaders and are reluctant to become leaders. This is Pew Research Center. Uh, you can't see all the words, but essentially um, this is America's, we, th- we think uh, leaders are acting unethically. They're not acting morally upright. Number one, members of Congress, it's like, uh, I can't even do the math quick enough. Uh, 84% of us think that they're acting unethically all or most of the time or some of the time. Bad actors, we think. Next one down, journalists, not fan of them, I guess. Next one down, leaders of tech companies. We're like addicted to Facebook. We know they're not doing good things with our information, right? We're like just taking a gamble. Uh, religious leaders, y'all, I'm so sorry. God, forgive me. 69% of the time you think all or some of the time they are acting unethically. I'm so glad you're here. Bless you. Maybe you're the, you all just might be the 29% that are holding down the fort. Police officers, uh, we begin to trust a little bit more. Military leaders, we trust a little bit more. Local elected officials, and then principals, K through 12. So like the most trusted leader in, in the world right now. So gosh, bless you. Uh, 
here's what we got going on over here. We also don't think anybody is held responsible for their unethical behavior. None of the time or only some of the time. And it's basically the same. Our leaders are not held accountable for when we think that they're acting uh, immoral. And maybe part of the reason why we have such a distrust. So we have a lot of distrust in our national leaders and the leaders that are traditionally over us, but also studies are showing that two-thirds of us don't want to become leaders. Thousands surveyed, only one-third of workers said they aspire to leadership positions. Um, And these are the people who aspire most. These are the subgroups of this 34%. But most of us are like, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need the hassle. Most of you are like, it's more responsibility and not more pay, or the pay doesn't justify it. But here's the kind of the top three to four reasons why people don't want to move into leadership, at least in their work-paid job position. I don't want to sacrifice work-life balance. And as a pastor, that makes me very proud. What a great reason. Keep that up. I don't have the right degree or skill set. Those are the next two. Um, and so there's a lack of feeling like lack of qualification or ability. And then the last one is that you don't think your organization would give you the opportunity to move up into leadership, whether because of that or because they're not a great company that it inspires people to move forward. All that to say, we struggle with leadership. We are distrusting uh, the traditional structural leaders that we've had in place. And most of us aren't really gung-ho about moving into it ourselves. I think in part, this is due to a toxic view of leadership. It's It's a toxic view of what leadership is and how, based on maybe how leaders have behaved in the past. I gotta tell you, this is part of my journey. This is why I struggle with leadership. Uh... I am not the CEO commanding, decisive, confrontational leader type. Or at least when I am this, it's not healthy in me. It is not who I aspire to be. Sometimes it gets rewarded and sometimes people want me to be this. But this is the Hulk coming out in me, right? You know, the Hulk loses control and like does and says things that he wants to take back later. Like if I become this, this is not me moving to health. This is me moving to uh, unhealth. This is me moving to disintegration. And so that was really a struggle for me as someone who might be in charge of an organization someday, as it, where we are now, right, in the church. And I really struggled with, can God use me in the way that I feel called because our society has one idea of what leadership is, and I'm not that, but I feel like uh, God is calling me to pastoral ministry. And so I've wrestled with this for close to a decade. How do I make sense of this? Do I just need to try to be more CEO decisive type? Or is there a way uh, that maybe I have a wrong picture of what leadership is? Or is there, <laughs> is there something God can use in me uh, to do what God needs to do uh, in the part of this organization? So that's where we are today. Talking about leadership. And we're going to talk about leadership from the greatest leader of all time. Jesus. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) Jeff Bezos? That guy has a lot of money. I think I rant against Jeff Bezos every time I preach. I'll stop. Not today. Jesus. We're going to learn from Jesus, the greatest leader of all time. 
which sometimes, I mean, honestly, even saying that it feels like cliche, but it also feels kind of tried. It also feels kind of forced. But really, the movement Jesus starts is maybe the longest lasting movement there's ever been uh, directly tied to his ability, his teaching, his way of life. And so I just want to look at some of his teaching and some of his example and pull out some things that we can take away to learn about leadership for our life. That was the bad news. The good news comes from these two passages. John 13 and Luke 22. The scene is the Last Supper. The scene is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. The scene is his last gathering before death with his disciples. We're going to get one in John, one in Luke, but everything is surrounding this meal, these final words, what is happening. Also, if you don't know, it's, it's Jewish high feast Passover season. And so for them, this is a, this is a powerful time of gathering, of gathering with loved ones and and being together. And so we have these uh, people gathered with Jesus to hear about what he has to say before he goes to the cross. The first story goes like this. Jesus knew the Father had given him everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What a great setup. He has everything. And he came from God and he's going to God. So he got up from the table and he took off his robes and picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and he dried them with a towel he was wearing. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table and he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done, you must also do. And then they partake in the meal. And during that meal, Jesus reveals that Judas Iscariot is his betrayer. After the disciples said, surely not I, Lord, he goes, it's Judas. And then they begin to argue, our next story says, they begin to argue among themselves over who should be regarded as the greatest. And so after the meal, it says, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles rule over their subjects and those in authority over them are called friends of the people. But that's not the way it will be with you. Instead, the greatest among you must become like a person of lower status and the leader like a servant. So which one is greater, the one who is seated at the table or the one who serves at the table? Isn't it the one who is seated at the table who's greater? But I am among you as one who serves. You know how I preach, head, heart, hands. Uh, I think there's something that Jesus wants us to know, kindling for the Holy Spirit to use for our fuel, for us to be thinking and growing and moving. But of course, uh, there's something that God wants us to experience deeply and transformationally. And so there's uh, a heart component to this. And then lastly, something for us to do. What does Jesus want us to do with this teaching, with our hands? And hopefully if we can start thinking about all of this, we can have a holistic faith from our head to our heart to our hands. And the thing that I think is speaking to me uh, about these passages that Jesus wants to know is that all of us are called to leadership somewhere. All of us are called to leadership somewhere. Jesus gives, and I'm taking that from the command. You too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example Just as I have done, you must also do, too. Right? There's a command for Jesus' followers 
to do what Jesus did. Jesus is calling us into leadership. So for the two-thirds of us that are like, I don't know, maybe this is bad news, but I'm sorry. You're called to leadership somewhere. And I'm going to talk about the word influence here. But when I say the word influence, maybe it's uh, my generation and younger, but we think of social media influencers who are um, less than ideal role models for society. Um, One of my favorite Instagram accounts is called Influences in the Wild, and it's people videotaping from afar social media influencers before they get all the filters and the the sweet cuts. And and my favorite one is this girl at the aquarium that someone from afar is filming, and she's just like... (laughs) And then there's an old guy next to her, and he's going, it's the best, you have to follow it. That's not at all what I mean by social media, uh, by influence. Uh, When I've done some leadership learning, I I don't follow everything this man says, but one of the definitions of leadership I have, I borrowed from him. This is John Maxwell, and he has a very quick definition of leadership. Hear him now. Hi, welcome to Minute with Maxwell. My name is John, and I'm glad you're with us, and I'm going to do a series of teachings on influence, okay? Okay. And uh, I want to start this series off by sharing with you what I've taught for, you know, 40 years now, and that is leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And That's it. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. You want to go watch the rest of it, feel free to do that. YouTube, John Maxwell. Uh, that is one of my definitions I borrowed from him for leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. You don't need to be charismatic, CEO. You don't need to be the super decisive, always right, always fighting on your feet type of person. Really what we're talking about when we talk about leadership, at least and especially in the Jesus sense, I'm talking about influence, influence over people. And I think we all have some influence somewhere. Maybe you are a social media influencer, and I just totally offended you. Uh, but you have influence somewhere, right? You have it with maybe your children. Maybe you have it at work. Maybe you have a co-influencing relationship with your spouse. Maybe as you get older and become closer with your parents, you get to bounce ideas off one another. Uh, your friend group, you have influence somewhere. And it is in that place that, that Jesus is calling us to a bit of leadership to a bit of having responsibility over people, to a bit of thinking about others as well as ourselves. And once we understand what leadership is, influence, the question then becomes, not am I a leader, but who am I influencing? And how am I influencing them? Am I leading them closer to Jesus? Is my example leading them closer uh, to one another in love? Uh, Is it leading them deeper into holiness? Or am I not thinking about my influence at all? Am I hoping that my actions don't have any responsibility or uh, consequences on those around us? The question in leadership doesn't become, am I a charismatic, gifted person who can be decisive and stand on stages and say things and lead people and motivate and manipulate? Or is it someone that has influence and how am I using that influence That's how I want us to think about leadership today, and I think uh, that's one of the ways Jesus is prompting us to think about uh, this thing that we're talking about, which leads, I think, to the next point, that if you're able to recognize you have influence somewhere, somewhere, what kind of influence do you have? 
And how are we influencing people? My heart point today is that kingdom greatness comes through humility and service. Kingdom greatness comes through humility and service. If you didn't see it when I read it, let's see it again, but that's the whole deal. Instead, not like the Gentiles, which you probably know, but there's a Gentile and there's a Jewish divide. For the Jews, it was either us or everybody else called the Gentiles. But sometimes what Jesus uses, he's not using it in the same way. He's using it for uh, people who know God as Father and people who act like God isn't real or isn't close or doesn't demand anything of their lives. And so he's saying, people that don't know God rule others, rule over others as subjects, right? Those in authority are called the friends of the people, but instead, for you, the greatest among you must be of lowly service and the leader like a servant, like a servant. I got 15 more verses to back this up if you don't believe me. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? The disciples were obsessed with this question. Who's the greatest? It's a kingdom. There's a king. I want to sit very close to you. I need the hookup. Jesus calls a little child over and he sits them among the disciples and he says, I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Who's the greatest? It's not our idea of greatness. Kingdom greatness has to do with humility and service. And for us, we are kid-centric culture. We love kids. We're like, yes, Jesus, stick it to these adults, these like cynical, hard-hearted adults. Yeah, in this culture, kids were regarded very lowly. In, in Greek philosophical culture, kids were property. They were, uh, there were some philosophers said you could do anything with you want with your kids, including abandon them or hurt them because they are your property and they are the same as the spit that comes out of your mouth. Do whatever you want with them. The radical nature of Jesus goes, uh, this kid is your example for how to get in the kingdom because greatness in the kingdom of God is about humility and service. Or Jesus just says like 15 times in the gospel, Those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. There's something about the kingdom that turns the economy of the world on its head. There's something about the kingdom that turns our values upside down. And so leadership isn't whatever the world tells you it is. Motivation and manipulation and control over people. That's what Gentiles do. For Jesus, leadership is humble service You want to be great in this thing that Jesus has come, his whole gospel. Every sermon he ever preached is about the kingdom of God. You want to be great in the thing that Jesus cares about? Humble service. For me, leadership became more about being a guide than being in control. Being helpful to serving. Realizing that I'm not the hero, right? This is how we view leaders in the world, that they are the heroes. They are the saviors. They're the ones who can get us from point A to point B. And if we just listen to them and glean their wisdom, everything will be good. And we just need to get the right leader in place to fix everything and begin to put too much hope onto these people, flawed, frail, broken people. In fact, I'm coming to the point in my understanding about leadership, that anybody who wants to be a leader, they probably should not be a leader. <laughs> like, why do you want it so bad? Do you know how terrible of a burden it is? 
Leadership more is about a guide. It's about influencing. It's about service and humility. And I think the world is starting to pick up on this. This is a guy named Don Miller. He wrote some great books. He, he knows story really well. Um, and so he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz that was wildly popular. But he's written lots of books. Um, but he started a company called Story Brand. He's helping businesses tell their story better. And right between that, that uh, adventure and this last book, he really started talking about guides and helpfulness and heroes and so I have a couple minutes from him on uh, heroes and guides and maybe what leadership looks like. He does address only to men in this, but women, you are not exempt. Here's Don, Don Miller. There's this neat thing as I study story that almost every hero in every story can't accomplish the task that they need to accomplish on their own. They have to, it's just a, it's a formulaic scene in almost every story. They have to go see somebody who helps them. So Katniss has to go see Haymitch. Luke Skywalker has to go see Yoda. Uh, Billy Bean in, in Moneyball has to go see Peter Brand, Jonah Hill's character. They need a guide. And I, you know, a lot of men think the heroic journey is, I'm going to go out there and conquer the world on my own. Um, you are not designed by God to do that, and you will fail because he wants you to fail. He, he wants you to be humble and to go and to get some help. And so I know that there are people who are watching this and boy, your relationships have been tragic or your marriage is tragic and the hero goes and gets help and then destroys the Death Star and wins the Hunger Games. So that's the path, right? But it, 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 it passes through meeting a guide and getting some help. I've been having about leadership in my mind because if you ask me who the leader is in the Star Wars saga, who the best is, who's the like. The coolest character, it's Yoda, obviously, right? But the story's not from Yoda's perspective. The story's from Luke's perspective. And I think similarly, that's going on in our own world. Sometimes I think we think leader, in a leader-centric world, they become the hero. But really, our stories are told from our perspective. You, I mean, God ultimately is the hero of our own stories, but you're the protagonist someone help me out English lit protagonist is that the hero is that the okay you're the protagonist of your story right and so for a leader to come along and try to take that place I mean it just doesn't make sense so my my transformation of leadership is is really guide is really helpfulness it, it, it's humble service on your journey as you venture towards Jesus as you venture towards the thing that Jesus is calling you to, my job as a leader of this organization is to help you do that better. Not to tell you what to do, not to tell you what your call is, not to grab your hand and take you where I think you need to go. That is a form of leadership, right? But mostly it's to clear obstacles and to provide direction, to be helpful, guide. Plus, I get to be Yoda in your story who's easily the coolest character in the whole franchise. I'll just thank you for letting me be your Yoda. <laughs> and he also says something that I was passing along here. God wants you to be humble and to get some help. And that's part, I mean, the man is a master at storytelling. He understands story at a deep level. And he says, every good story has this scene where the hero gets some help. Because he says, there's a humility aspect to it. 
Like, this is not just Scripture. This is not just Jesus. This is just how our hearts are wired and the world works. This is how we understand journey. Kingdom greatness is about humility. And, and you can't do the thing that God has called you to do until you do this step, until you get help, until you humble yourself, until you move in that direction. Leadership also, let me just say, invites criticism, which is one reason why I think we avoid it. It invites judgment, and it can make you feel threatened and defensive. But humility invites vulnerability, invites listening, invites growing, and invites adapting. And I can't, and just the world is figuring this thing out that Jesus has taught us thousands of years ago, that leadership is not about control, assertiveness. It's about humble service and influence where we are. Brene Brown talks a lot about in, in Dare to Lead and in other places that like one of the best things leaders can do is listen. That's not, that is not the picture I have of a leader, right? But listening is the most powerful tool that leaders have in their arsenal. The world is figuring out what Jesus taught us years ago. This is a pastor out of New York. He says, one of the greatest gifts we give the people we lead is a lack of defensiveness. One of the marks of a healthy culture and a healthy soul is the willingness to be curious, open, teachable, and humble. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not the same as greatness in the world. It's actually the opposite. Humble service. And this is how Christianity has flourished. I'm thinking about one example. It's kind of topical. Go with me on this journey. But there was this thing in the 200s called the Plague of Cyprian. And this is, yeah, I know. We got some plague stuff happening, y'all. God help us. Um, there's this thing that happened called the Plague of Cyprian. Christians uh, were being persecuted at this time. Christianity is about 200 years old. It's a movement. It is not an institution at this point. It is underground. I mean, Christians are being killed for their faith. And this plague hits and lasts for quite a long time. And it was devastating. They would say cities of 500,000 were reduced to 100,000. And I won't even go into all of the details about They don't really know what it was. Some people thought it was smallpox. Some, some people thought it was more like an Ebola type. I mean, it was just bowels and vomiting. And at the end, you go blind and deaf. They have descriptions of it. And it's gnarly. It's terrible. The plague of Cyprian from the 200s. And what did Christians do? But they turned their churches into hospitals. And they said, were Christians uh, engaged, this is from a sociologist, the death rate went from about 30% to about 10%. Where Christians stepped into humble service for a hurting culture, uh, this is when not only were their local communities impacted, but the, the growth of Christianity exploded. Exploded because we were present in the middle of hardship instead of trying to dictate what everyone should do from the outside. They followed Jesus' example in this case, and it was a benefit to our movement. Greatness comes from humble service. These people figure this out, and we're a great witness to Jesus during this time. Jesus not only commands us all to leadership somewhere through our influence, but makes it about humble and helpful service to those around us. This is greatness in the kingdom. This is leadership in the kingdom. What do we do with that? What do we do with it? How do we do it? What's the example that we have? Jesus is very clear here. We need to follow Jesus' lead. That's what we do. Follow Jesus' lead. Which is uh, 
trying to figure out how to say this. I'm not asking you to follow my lead, right? I'm not asking you to follow my teaching. It's not from my mouth. I am here as the guide to say, look at Jesus, right? This is my goal as a leader, to follow Jesus. But Jesus also tells us to do this. I wanted to give you some cheesy phrases like, lead like the Lord. Will you, will you remember that one for me? True leadership looks like Jesus. He says, <laughs> LLTL, thank you. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you must also do it. Jesus is telling us, do what he did. Do what he did. Which means that you need to know what he did, which means you need to know what his teaching is, which means you need to be grounded in his story. He also says, uh, which one is greater, the one who sits or the one who serves? But I am here serving. Jesus has given us an example of what leadership looks like. If we really do believe that he's an incredible leader, maybe the best leader ever, He's telling us the key to, to doing that in our spheres of influence is following him. One who serves, one who sits, one who washes. This is Kevin Miller. He was the editor of Christianity Today for a time being. He's written a lot of stuff on uh, leadership, and he tells a story about fishing with his dad. He was 11 years old. He finally got to go on the, like, week-long cabin fishing excursion, and he was so happy that his dad finally trusted him to go on this venture, right? That he got to be a grown-up, that he got to be in the boat with his dad, and they got to fish and fish, and it was all so wonderful. And then he said that first night, he was in his bunk, and he woke up knowing that he was going to have to throw up. But he didn't want to get out of his warm bed, and so he just threw up all over the bed. And someone with, as, as someone with three kids, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm already stressed out about this story, and it happened 40 years ago. Um, but he's like, and, and he goes, and my dad rushes into the room as he hears the splatter, and I'm like, I just have so many flashbacks of my own experience here. Um, and he said, and his dad said, you couldn't have made it to the bathroom. And he's like, I might have been able to, but I didn't. And the dad, he says, kind of walks away, and he felt really frustrated and sad. He felt like he was ruining this trip, right? And he said, and my dad showed up with a bucket and a mop and a brush. He says, as leaders, uh, we face many awful and embarrassing messes, and people may often even let us down. But Jesus has already shown us what we must do in those situations. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. We are called to do what Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do so. And so if you want to know what leadership is, we look to the Lord for that example. Questions, comments, criticisms, Send them if you got them. I got one. And I'm giving you 30 seconds of awkward silence to do that. This person says, you keep telling us to be like Jesus. What does this look like in our everyday lives? 
you mentioned, uh, what does this look like on Tuesday at 1130 during discipleship? What does this look like Tuesday at 1130 uh, for leadership? And this is where I struggle because I like to give you big ideas and then let you flesh it out. So I'm letting you, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Trusting the Holy Spirit is working in your life to lead you where God wants you to be influencing. Um, I don't know your context at 1130, uh, but I trust that wherever you have influence, you can, you can try to bring humble service there instead of exertion, control, and manipulation, which we try to do even when we're not leadership, when we're not traditional uh, worldly leadership, right? We try to bring our own sense of control and manipulation just maybe through different ways, maybe through passive aggression, right? Maybe through even maybe our own self-talk, like I'm definitely going to quit if this happens, right? <laughs> like this, this is the straw. I'm going to quit if I don't get my way or something like that happens. There's ways in which we try to manipulate and control, even if it's not top-down exertion, Ask questions. Be curious about our own ways of trying to manipulate and control. And I'm also saying that maybe we can try to figure out how to bring humble service there in our sphere of influence. Let's wrap this up. The question for me isn't, is Jesus the greatest leader of all time? Or am I called to humble service? Or am I called to imitate Jesus? The question I think at the core of my lack of faith is, does it work? And does it work in the real world? And partly I can say that there's a lot of mounting statistical evidence that says it does. That people don't want uh, cowboy heroic leaders that just sw- swoop in and try to save the day anymore. Because if they could, they should have already, right? Like this, we're living in some hot mess of uh, situations. Like if you could have fixed it, why didn't you? Uh, the world is moving towards a more vulnerable way of leadership of someone saying, I don't know if I know all the answers, but let's try to figure this out together and, and I can clear some obstacles to let you do what you do best. But also this is where uh, our faith steps in. This is uh, what faith for me means, which I say probably 10, 15 times a year. Not does God exist, but is God good and is God's way actually the way to live our life? Is Jesus' example really going to work in the world? Is the other side of the cross really eternal life? Does Jesus' idea of leadership really lead to my thriving and health and happiness? That's the question. And I think uh, the Holy Spirit can empower us to lean into that and say yes, and we can imitate Jesus in this place. Head, all of us are called to leadership somewhere. With our heart, Jesus wants us to experience kingdom greatness through humble service. And with our hands, Jesus wants us to follow his lead. He is the master leader, and he is telling us he has left us an example. And here's what I would love for you to do this week. Two things. List your spheres of influence, kids, work, sisters, siblings, parents, uh, jobs, whatever it is. And I would love for you to write down the top five people who have influenced you as you start thinking about leaders in your own life. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you that we can think about a topic that affects all of us, but sometimes we don't talk about it at church. We don't talk about it in the context of Jesus. We get bombarded with messages about what it is, what it is, what it is, and what a good one is.
And it's refreshing for me to think about in the context of you. Would you constantly keep you as the center of our thoughts about what leadership is, about what influence is, about what responsibility for others means, about what our goals are? Would you help us to lean into those in our own areas, in our own lives? Would you make our path the same as your path, a downward trajectory of humble service to those around us, and not the upward trajectory of dog-eat-dog striving and scratching. And would your Holy Spirit give us the joy that is found there. Help us to trust you on that path. And Father, now as we come to a time of communion, would your Holy Spirit be in us and on these elements? Would it be spiritual nourishment for our journey and would it be courage for us to lead like you led to go in the path that you went down Lord we, we come with expectant hearts to meet you here because you promised to meet us here that your presence is somehow in the mystery here and so would you meet us so that we may commune with you in table church would you pray with me the Lord's prayer with trespasses today saying our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth